Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, set your sleep timers, because the climate control is set to mind-numbing. And it's time for Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. And if you want to help the show, I actually have uh, something to ask. I'm kind of, we've started this Patreon, and you can support us over at sleepwithmepodcast.com slash donate, or just go straight to Patreon slash sleepwithme. And I guess that my my feelings, in a good way, have already kind of evolved about Patreon a little bit. And it just will take me a minute to get to this, and we'll get to the show. Uh, because, I, you know, first of all, I want to thank everybody that's participated so far. But I also want to extend a challenge to all the listeners out there. that Because my thinking around Patreon's changed because everyone said, not at Patreon, but, you know, out there in the blog internet world, uh, that getting more than 1% of your audience to donate is impossible, or that's what you should base, maybe 2%. And so I was like, well, how am I going to pay Chris Posty Posterson? And that's the money I'm going to pay him. It's not an adjusted, that's the money, our goals are, that money's going to Chris. And I was like, how am I going to get there? And I was figuring out this 1%, 2%. And because I said, well, anything more than that is impossible. And then, you know, when I saw everyone's positive response and I really thought about the podcast, you know, I don't, I don't care. I don't have, I don't care for uh, impossibility. You know, if I thought, if I was worried about what was impossible or a good idea, I would have never started this podcast, you know. Uh, so I want to propose, if you want to support the show and I want to do, now it has been done, I think. So it's not totally impossible. It's just say highly unlikely. Well, I want to get this done, and I'm going to challenge you. And the sooner we can get this rolling, it might take us a few months, is I want to challenge 10% of you that listen to this podcast regularly to just donate a dollar a month to support the show. That's it, 12 bucks a year. Uh, if we can get 10% of our audience just at a dollar a month and then whatever else we get, we'll definitely be able to hit all, all, pay Chris and have an emergency fund to pay him well into the future. And that'll be a great foundation to keep the podcast sustainable. So I just want you to think about that. If you're going to be one of the 10% that support the show, I challenge you to do so. And if you can do it tomorrow, please, just a dollar. That's all I'm asking. And it would be obscenely nearly impossible because it's a big number, 10% of our audience. Uh, you know, it's something to say, well, it's just you're lucky if you could get 1%. 2%, you're knocking it out of the park. I want 10% of you. I think the podcast really is worth it collectively at a dollar a month. And you might say, well, Scoots, I want to give you more. Or $1 a month. Does It does if 10% of you, if 10% of you are given a dollar a month, uh, it would be a huge help. So think about it. And I'm going to be challenging you. Uh, because I, I guess I have some new, I, I guess that's a, and if people want to lower their pledges, they can, but all the, nothing's going to change, but this is going to be my focus. It's just, and then if everyone's, you know, a president got elected on this idea. Uh, so, and, and it is, and, and now that I've, you know, I'm one of those people, if this is impossible and unlikely, let's do it. What could happen? I could be embarrassed that I've publicly said, let's try to do this, and I'm going to push for it. And now that you know, I'll be, you know, I won't have to take up so much time explaining it. But think about it. Is this podcast worth a dollar a month to you? And this isn't a trick to get you to donate more. I just need a dollar. I just need 10% of you. So that's it. Uh, go to Patreon slash sleep with me. Donate a dollar tomorrow, please.
and just speak with your dollar. And you could even take a picture and send it to me of you holding a dollar, waving a dollar, uh, or a quarter, you know, pennies or whatever. I really appreciate it. And I'm not kidding. This is a, this would be a powerful thing. Uh, and it would, it would help other people say, whoa, geez, you, you can do a lot with a dollar. All right, let's do it. Okay. And let's get on to the show. Hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep? Well, welcome. Uh, this is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. Uh, we do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And what I'm going to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's been keeping you up at night, whether it's stuff on your mind you're thinking about or something going on with your body or something you're going wrestling with emotionally, whatever it is, I'm going to send my voice and my intention across the deep, dark night here, and I'm going to try to distract you from all that stuff. And the way I'm going to do it is, you know, lulling, soothing tones, pointless meanders, pauses, goof, a lot of goofing around, a lot of just exposition, expository phrases, I think. I don't know, I'm, I have no, I, you know what word just popped in my head? Gerund. And I said, she's if I knew, I said, well, I'll, I'll be saying words like gerund. And I, I'm, I, I said, is that a, is or a propositional phrase? And I say, and I say it sounds like he's bidding at a, uh, uh, you know, whatever you call those things, you know. Is it, is, did uh, Strunk and White go out of business? Is Scooter bidding on different, you know, phrasey, phrasey out sentence fragments? That's what I'm bidding on, sir. And the reason I do it, because a lot of times at bedtime, it can seem a bit like a strange, it's, 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 it's not dreamlike a lot of times when you're getting asleep, but there's, it tends to be like one of those auctioneers there. And if I did an auctioneer voice, it wouldn't be good. But just, you know, if you were there at the shrunken, they said elements of style. And I say, isn't that E.B. White or elements of style went out of business? And they're dismantling the elements of style. You're telling me that. And your brain might actually try to pull this over on you, you know, with your personal life instead. But you say you're lying there and you can feel yourself getting, well, what are shrunken white going to do? You know, which edition, all the editions, I'm not even sure, what was the last edition? And you say, what are, what are words, how are people going to, what are people going to refer to? What's going to, is the entire, you know, superstructure of the English language going to deteriorate? I said, well, Scooter's doing just fine with that. But it could be like that, but with your personal stuff, they say, geez, which you, how come you, why do you have your white sacks in with your colored sacks? What kind of person does that? A lonely person. And that's why you're lonely. If you could just take care of your socks, it's no wonder you can't grapple with your person. And you say, I'm trying, you know, I got to go to sleep. And so and then, so that's like the auction. You say, okay, I'm going to take sock shame for, you know, how, how many, you know, how many minutes you want? And they sell, sell it to shock. And then you say, this doesn't make any sense that I'm, you know, you're keeping me up with this sock argument. It was like Scooter's dismantling of the street. I mean, he doesn't even, he's got E.B. White. Is that the mouse that drives the car? E.B. White, anyone. And Scooter takes that for a hundred. He bought that. I think that's Stuart Little, Scoots. But, you know, and then the next thing you know, you try to roll over, you try to fluff your pillows, and then he says, I got a niche ankle for, you know, and then it says itchy ankle. Is it an itchy ankle over there? Itchy ankle over here? Itchy ankle. 
I got an itch on your back over here. I got an itch on your shoulder over here. Uh, one hundred itch on the earlobe. It's the earlobe. What could that be? Better itch that. Better itch that earlobe. I got a worry ward. Worry ward. See, what are you worrying about? Why aren't you worrying more? What should worry about? What happened today? What do you think? Did you check your car? When's the last time you took your car? And your oil's got to get changed. Taxes are coming up. Taxes are due. What do you remember that form you never did? That YGK you had to put in your pension fund. So instead, I guess I have a strange skill. You may say skill-like or, you know, near skill, which is to take all that, take that auctioneer. And while you, like when it's in my voice, I think that's part of it. It's my voice instead of your voice. And while you might not know that I really am just picturing part of my brain is actively dismantling elements of style and saying, what are we going to auction off next? And you say, well, we're saving the Oxford comma for last because we know how hot the Oxford comma is. So we're going to make, and say, wait a second, did I just get hired as a consultant, as a like, corporate raider on the elements of style? So you know that you might know that it's ridiculous. I don't quite know that, but neither do your brain parts. So they say, okay, I'm going, you know, we're, we're, we're saving it. We're putting it all on the Oxford comma, sell the rest for beans. And they say, Scooter, what about this semicolon? And I say, you know what? This, see if you can use it as a movie prop because that would make a good phone, you know, pretend phone or emojis. I say, use it as a phone. And, and I say, great idea. Get Emoji Corp on Is there an Emoji Corp? Did the Koch brothers buy all the emojis up yet? If they did, I'm going to need an emoji. You know, I'll obviously have to do, you know, I'll need a counterfeit emoji to show my displeasure. I said, I need a math guy. I need a, I need a, uh, what are those things called? They're not letters, but the, wait, what am I, let's talk apostrophes next. I mean, I'm wondering if we can sell separately, you know, we'll double our apostrophe pleasure. We'll sell them upside down and right side up, left and right. And your brain now is saying, wait a second, this scooter's not half bad at this, uh, and I say, I wonder if shrunk, and you say, I wonder if they're stay, staying up at night thinking about this. And I say, all right, I want all the Moji Corp's deposits in, you know, German bear bonds, you know, and I want to see, you know, on hand. And I say, boys, I want to talk about, you know, before we end this presentation, I want to talk about undervalued assets. I want to talk about the less than and the greater than signs because I think, you know, I think those you should be undervalued. I can't. I mean, unless you know, unless you know, there's some fish base. Uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, you, do we have any emoji-based corporations? In you know, with yeah, cross-check that demographics: high fishing population, sport fishermen uh, with emojis. Yes, we will. Re, we will re- reevaluate the uh, less than and greater than symbols. All right, team. Well, we've been avoiding talking about the question mark, the explanation point, and the uh, and the period, you know. And I can see you all looking at me and saying, "Don't worry, we're holding on to the Oxford comma. We're going to sell the we're going to sell the Oxford comma separately." But here's what we do for this is a PR move. We're going to we're going to give those we're going to open up open source the period, the question mark, and the exclamation point. Oh wait, okay. You said the Koch brothers are on the phone. Do they, the, is this going to be an offer on all caps? Yeah, I knew it was coming.
double their offer, you know, tell them twice as much, they'll buy it. You know, there's no way they could get their candidate. You know, without all caps, they don't, you know, they need that for the tweeting, you know, that they do. All right, good. So that's it. You know, so that that would that, that's and this is kind of the podcast in a nutshell, or the nut with the podcast in a shell of sensibility, I guess is more like it. But that's the goal is to kind of take your mind off of stuff, distract you with a little bit of nonsense that's just grounded enough, like with some familiar stuff, and that it distracts those parts of your brain that are always thinking and talking, and you a little bit. I want to give you a little pre-bed. We'll call it pleasure light, you know, but, but you know, you don't know. I, I get away for the right. I'm distracted because I'm seeing somebody bidding on the sense sign, and I hadn't, you know, decided how much, you know, how much sense is the sense sign worth. If a sense sign could, you know, be in a, you know, if I could do that, but I can't. So that's the podcast. I'm glad you're here. I just want to take your mind off stuff. I'll be false. It's a weird show, and basically, this is what it's like. You know, I try to take my time, uh, so I'll just be here rambling on for like an hour total or so. So that's it. I just want to take your mind off of stuff. And it's because, I, you know, I, as a matter of fact, I, I didn't, I barely slept last night, so I know how it is. And it, again, it was one of those, I, I woke, you know, I had trouble falling asleep. And then two hours later, I woke up, I'm like, oh boy. So I know how it is. So if I can be of service to you. With this, you know, and it's kind of fun for me. I said, geez, I'll probably, you know, I might be up at night, you know, Googling Strunk and, is it Strunk and White? Elements of Style, we could just sell that title for a new book. You know, get the Kardashians on the phone. I said, and we'll have Kanye and Kim outbid each other for their next autobiography. So, Boom. Uh, so, 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 you know, thank you for letting me, thank you for giving this podcast a shot. Give it a couple tries. You know, if it doesn't work, it works for some people, doesn't work for everybody. For a portion of population that has already stopped listening, it induces, you know, it makes the, it gives them a fever, you know, and that's a good kind. Like I don't get, like I give you fever, not that kind, uh, not fever in the morning, like fever at night where they grind, you know, they say that's scooter. With his, so, but I hope you're. I hope this works for you. It, it really is. It's as, as well intentioned as I can be, and it's super goofy. Uh, but mostly, I'm glad you. I appreciate you stopping by, and I hope I can help you fall asleep. All right, housekeeping. Run the web www.sleepthemepodcast.com. Older episodes are there. Show notes are on there. You can comment on the website. You can email me feedback at sleepwithmepodcast.com. On Twitter at Dear Scooter, we're on Facebook. Uh, if you can take a, a, a second tomorrow morning and remember to uh, just support the show at a dollar a month at sleepwithmepodcast.com slash donate, that would be huge. Uh, we have a Facebook group over at sleepwithmepodcast.com slash nods, N-O-D-S. I want to thank Julie C., Lie to Lie, Rachel L. to the G., Jennifer B., Alexandra and Laura, who moderate over there. I want to thank Chris Posterson from Sounds Like an Earful who does our music and edits some of our episodes. I want to thank Scotty and Jennifer who do our artwork. Uh, I want to thank James Cornell at jamescornellpottery.com. That'll be in the show notes. Who's got some beautiful pottery uh, that you got to check out. And he listens to podcasts. And I want to thank Nick and Amy from What the Fuh. 
podcasts and a link to their it's a WTP podcast and I'll link to that in the show notes and they listen to the podcast together uh, and that's it thanks for listening all right so we're back here it's me scoots and uh recording for uh the second half of the first season of get best so it's kind of a recap and i just like i've listened to the last two episodes twice I, I, last episode i guess i listened to three times and i just listened to it uh, while i walked a dog and i've already and now i'm like man these podcasts really do work because it's kind of like uh it makes a sieve out of your brain or something and i said uh i just listened to it and out of all the episodes, I think the last one was the best one. Uh, the second, the two leading up to that, whoa boy, uh, talk about content, as we said in that state of the podcast thing. That's probably inappropriate for sleep time. Uh, in this whole series, it's a little bit more, it's not, it's not R, I'd say it's PG-13 with the, uh, Richard Warren Sears is a bit of a jerk, so sometimes he does jerky stuff to uh, a GIF. And there's some action uh, that probably wasn't the most soothing, but towards the end. So I don't know if that's a warning. I, I think as I've observed some people that have been rewatching it, like, uh, you know, usually fall asleep before then. And it's all done in as much lighthearted as, you know, we can. But so... Let me let me start to dig in here, like back uh, where we left off, which was one of my favorite episodes, as I said last week, was 63, Highlights of Hell. And the, ta- the tagline for this one is, Buckle your safety belt for a guided tour of hell. Lust for life, gluttony, uh, sandwich stuff, and extreme sports will be punished. But what will happen to our heroes? And this episode is more on R to NC-17 scale, actually, of humor and stuff. Uh, but this kind of combined maybe my love of, like, a movie, like the original, what was that movie called? It was Arnold Schwarzenegger, Total Recall, and, uh, I, I don't know, Albert Brooks movies, maybe. It, it was kind of like... I don't know. So this was a fun episode. I remember doing this and just being gleeful. Uh, and maybe one of the first times in the podcast where I felt this creative freedom uh, because of the context of the podcast to be able to explore weird stuff. So it was kind of like, uh, I guess the, the premise was that I can't remember how they got there. Well, this is the power of the podcast. But at some point, Richard Warren... Uh, and James Cash ran a tour bus of hell because hell was in the middle of a remodel. Because uh, as I started to study some of these uh, ideas, Dante and stuff, there was a lot of circles of hell dedicated towards, like, not paying your, now I can't even, like, penury or stuff like that. I don't even know. Like, not paying all your taxes to the church or stuff like that, which, no matter what faith you, you are, well, some faiths probably still, but, but it's like, well, I don't know if they're, you know, that, this was the outlook in hell. And they're like, well, you know, do we, do you need to dedicate any re- real estate to that? Or could we, cause it ended up, at least in this version, extreme sports were not on the, uh, they're on the naughty list, I guess, or maybe. So they were getting a tour with a tour guide, which, uh, 
It's just amusing for me. I, I guess that would be a dream. I guess I was like living vicariously through the podcast to hop in a tour bus to hell like that in the middle of remodel and kind of be able to ask questions. That would, to me, that would be really cool. Uh, so that was the, the premise. And, and I guess they had gotten in there because then Gorbelli was like, I need you to pick this guy up. Uh, now, I honestly don't know. Maybe it was in research of another podcast episode why he had, they had to pick up the guy who invented electric torsion. Uh, this guy, hopefully it was a fictional name that I made up. I don't, it was probably based on somebody, but this guy's name was Freddie Sprague. And he was, it was weird that he was a character, he was a pretty good character, he didn't stick with me, like I had forgotten about him until I returned, which we'll talk about the power of characters, maybe a little bit through this. Uh, but he had a minor arc through through the rest of the season, and he was somewhat amusing, maybe he didn't stay with me, because he was definitely weird, and... uh Maybe he didn't have a real arc. It was more of a token arc. I don't know. A story arc, I mean. But he, well, he did. He, his character kind of changed because uh, he was in hell. He was rescued from hell. I think Gorbelli wanted him because he was the master of Subway. He, he, we owe whoever he was based on. Hopefully, this was a fictionalization of someone or amalgamation. But then they picked him up, and then, of course, you know, everything went wrong because you really don't want to be messing around on a tour bus of heck or hell. And so then there was some action, which probably wasn't, um, uh, wasn't, wouldn't be enjoyable for a lot of people because it was like a little bit like an action movie. And, but then James and Richard Warren, they got some tools out of there. They got some hell slush which I forgot what that did. They got, at some point they got the horn of Jericho or Jethro, which could de-exist people. And they also got a Bident, which could do something. And then James kind of saved the day. I think James and RW, you know, worked as a team and they overcame. And then, the, then they got control of the tour bus. And then I think that was the cliffhanger. And then the next episode was uh, Highlights, let me see, uh, Highway from Hell. Only 41 minutes this episode. Uh, will Our Heroes Escape, uh, blankety blank. Uh, why would they ever hang out with a man who, who was, you know, this, this sorry, stitches stuff? Uh, can they thread the needle? All these questions will be answered in a method. Man, are so dull you will fall asleep. And that was certainly right. Uh, and what they did is, I guess it was just kind of transition. They just had to get out of there. So they still had to get overcome like this dog that tried to, a guard dog that tried to stop them. Friendly one. Oh, so friendly. You know, stop them with kisses and sniffs. You know, just heavenly sniffs. And then they had this other guy, and of course they didn't get along with this other guy, and he was kind of like uh, maybe a little midnight run in there, maybe not, but that's another movie I love so much. So probably was a tiny bit of midnight run, even though there's three guys, but uh, that'll probably be remade. Hopefully, we'll get some. I don't know if you how you would cast it. Uh, I mean, I would maybe say. Well, anyway, let's keep moving. So, and then, so they basically get out. R.W.'s like a, 
a little bit catatonic. Can't remember why. I'm not joking either. Oh, here, here's a pro pro am tip. So I started. I said, well, I got to I got to try to listen to all these episodes, and then I I didn't really have a ton of time. So I was listening at 1.5 and 2. What I recommend if you and I don't recommend this podcast ever, but I would do a few minutes at 1.5, then I would bump it up to two. And I found that was like doable. But I, I prefer listening to all podcasts at one time myself. But I know some people don't, and, and that's fine too. So I guess on that episode, the one thing I remember is that once they got out of hell initially, in this like fits the podcast, it was still like they had got out of the central part. And then they were like, okay, so when do we get out? And it was like about a 10-hour drive till your exit. And I thought that fit the podcast. It's like, oh, great, now we got this boring drive. Uh, and it's like, oh, yeah, okay, that works with this podcast. Uh, so that was 64. Uh, the next show doesn't even have a setup. It's called The Little Devil of Power and Control. And... Of course, I was listening to these, hoping that at least it would give me a general idea. I think this was the one. Wow, I think I just listened to this one. This is where uh, they must have got out, and then James wanted to— Oh, yeah, I think this was the one where they were fired because they were missing for so long. So Jif Bissos, or Jif Bissos, was like, you know, cancel. He's like, just sell the stock of that company. I don't want to do business with those guys because they missed a couple meetings. Now, of course, the guys missed the meetings because they were in hell for a couple days. But, you know, I don't think that would have helped their case. So they had lost their clearance at Amazon headquarters. But uh, James was like, you know, let me just talk my way back in here. You know, we were doing some stuff. And he also had a crush on Angela Bissos. So then he got into meeting with Angela, uh, but and this I don't think this is right. This is very cartoonish. But uh, at some point they had brought back by accident, I think, a little devil, which is a cute, you know, like something you give, like the opposite of Cupid. You'd give someone like a Cupid, you know, and what's that Valentine's Day? You'd give him a Cupid and a little devil, a cutie little like that. And this, again, was another set of characters that I surprised. It was just funny. I find it funny. I mean, not in my own sense of humor, but these little devil guys, and they're up to no good. Again, it was probably influenced by a movie I watched when I was a real little kid that I can't think of the name of, but uh, <clears throat> with some teens, some teens or middle, like middle school kids having to deal with that type of stuff, I think they had found a whole the underworld and you know comedy you know teen level hijinks ensued uh but this case like they had uh caused like they were trying to get james to do something because then it's like in, at this point you're messing with the you know underworld and that's what they're telling james and so then they opened a rift in Angela Bissos's ear, inside her ear, so she didn't really know about it. Uh, so then James was like, oh boy, he, and he was falling in love with her a little bit. And uh, she was kind of, I, I don't know, it was tricky. Again, this wasn't a plot, plot, really plotted out season. And so then he was like, I got to figure out a way to fix your ear because... Uh, you know, this isn't any good having a rift to the underworld in your ear. 
And, you know, the little devils were kind of using it as a bargaining chip. And I think that was it. I think uh, R.W. and uh, uh, Freddie Sprague, who was the other character, they stayed at the hotel. And Freddie Sprague was like an affinity for plants. So he was watching the Garden Network. R.W. was on the Internet. Uh, So then James went back there. And he was like, listen, we got to find a way. Or maybe he was, like, hoping the ear thing would clear up. I can't remember. I guess it wasn't his—he went back to his hotel, so it couldn't have been that pressing a matter. Uh, but then they were supposed to have a date, but then Freddie Sprague escaped, and he was headed towards the Seattle uh, Botanical Gardens or something. So then the three of them, like R.W., James, and Angela— uh, James and Angela were supposed to have a date— and so then the three of them traveled to the Botanical Gardens to uh, deal with it. And at some point, the ear thing became an issue, too. I can't believe this episode was only 35 minutes, but uh, it came out on April 6, 2014. Uh, but it, there was a couple of cute moments that stuck out to me. Like, at one point, James was asleep in the car, and R.W. was kind of talking up his best friend and himself. And I thought that was kind of cute. Uh, and again, playing with this idea of friends and best friends and what does friendship mean? And then they got there. And I think, I don't know, it was called Grouchy Garden Gnomes. And I think this is one episode. Okay. Oh, wait. A date with Miss Bessos quickly goes awry when RW has to join them for a trip to a lovely garden. Uh, Grouchy Garden Gnomes. And uh, so then they got to the Botanical Gardens. They started searching for... Uh, Freddie Sprague, who had uh, plants, did not like him because he was not kind to plants. So Mother Nature was there, and she had sent some minions to capture him. So then everyone got captured by Mother Nature. I think. Stay with me. Uh, don't you know? Don't fall. You know. Don't worry. You could fall asleep. Uh, you don't have to stay with me here. Uh, but then, so then Mother Nature was mad. And then James was like, hey, your mother nature, could you fix this ear rift? And then uh, she gave this long speech, mother nature. I don't even think it got recorded. I think it was like, uh, um, this was like a really boring chunk because it was like, they were just at the Botanical Gardens for like three episodes. And then the next one, uh, and I can't tell them apart, the next one's called Lions Led by Donkeys. April 10th, 45 minutes. A super long episode packed with people, action, history, Cash, R.W., Freddie, Miss Bessos, Jeffrey, that's Jeff, uh, Mother Nature, Gorebelly, and Forest Friends. So then we have the first appearance of Hans Zimmer Gorebelly who is kind of like the antagonist of the show. I don't think, I don't know. And he's the evil genius, and he's wanting to take over hell for some reason. And he's at war with hell, which is, you know, never a good idea, I don't think. I mean, in my opinion, it's not. And he's trying, like, then, I don't know who triggers all the action, but they're also trying to get, he's like, I need Freddie Sprague, so they're trying to negotiate with Mother Nature. And he's making a pitch about, uh, 
it, it was interesting because he was an interesting character to me. He didn't end up uh, flourishing, I guess, as a villain. I mean, he, he ended up being the villain of the show. Spoiler, but uh, his his where his villainy came from was interesting to me because it came from World War One. I think because I was reading the Joe Nesbo book, The Red Breast, I think. I don't know if I was reading it at the time and that influenced it because that was a little bit about World War I, too, or what. But, uh, you know, he had been he, he had been dealt with World War I on the front lines, and it pushed him to become an inventor of cured meats, which is where he made his fortune. <clears throat> Uh, kind of like the inventor of Slim Jims, he invented all these foods that would be sold at uh, convenience stores. That's his backstory. But the trauma he experienced had kind of created this obsession. I don't know. Tough. It is driving him to try to take over hell. I guess would be the short version, and the you know best I can make sense of it version. Uh, but then. They're trying, everyone's arguing, and then I don't know if it was Gorbelli or, or one of the little devils uh, tried to pull uh, Mother Nature into Angela's ear, Angela Bessos, Miss Bessos' ear, which obviously is not going to be good for our world because we need Mother Nature around. So pulling her out of our existence. At the same time, Jif was, Jif Bessos was coming to see Angela and meet James and R.W., uh, James wanted to save Angela, save Mother Nature, and so and so him and Gorbelli, like rescued Mother Nature, but they ended up diving into Angela's ear or getting pulled in uh, back into the underworld, back into hell. Uh, R.W. at the same time, uh, and Jif, I don't know why they were on the run. Maybe from the plants with Gore, with. Uh, Maybe the plants in Mother Nature were still out to get, uh, who's the guy? Freddie Sprague. So the three of them, they jumped in Jif's helicopter, which didn't go well because Mother Nature was still kind of out of sorts. So they got caught in a little bit of a storm and, and then uh, their helicopter like went off course. Uh, so that was a pretty action-packed episode. Now, this next episode is called, and excuse my language, but it's called Desert Island Dick. And it's uh, that, in a sense, for jerk, or Desert Island Jerk, which I guess is a wrong term to sub in for Dick, is jerk. But um, anyway, sorry about that. It's just, it's just I'm literally, but it's uh, 53 minutes, April 13th. R.W. and Bessos on an island taking music. They said nothing interesting could possibly happen. Well, that's not true. Uh, and this was probably one of my, again, I don't recommend it because it has some like weird, uh, some stuff that might trigger people. But this was one of my favorite episodes. And uh, probably, uh, I mean, the reason why is this is Jif's first episode. So he gets revealed and he's alone with R.W., which is kind of what R.W. had wanted. But they're not alone on what they feel like is a desert island. And Jif's revealed to be this really nice, meek guy. And he's trying to be nice to R.W. And R.W.'s down because he thinks he's like, uh, well, at first he thinks he lost his friend. Uh, then he kind of starts around the... 
mind the thoughts that James had had like 10 episodes ago about, wait a second, what if I'm still in the afterlife here? And this is some sort of, like I failed some tests in the afterlife. So he's really devastated because he's like, this is it. I failed my test to get out of purgatory. And it went after Jif. And then he kind of takes all that out on Jif. But the whole time just trying to talk about Desert Island discs and try to make the best of the situation and find out about friendship. And uh, I just liked the contrast that R.W. really is a jerk. At least at this point, he's a Desert Island dick. He's not nice. Jif really is nice to him. and But they also get along in this nice way. And then it becomes like an older brother, younger brother kind of dynamic a little bit. If the older brother's a total jerk, which I was as older brother. So uh, they spend the time on the island. I, I think Jif was into craft work and joy division. I don't know how if he got through his hole. And I was like, where the hell did I come up with? I honestly it was like, why did I decide on? You think those were two maybe... Exile on Main Street, and I don't know. I was like, where in the hell did I look that? Like, I don't know if I looked up his birth date and tried to figure that. I don't know, uh, and I don't know if that's it. But, but so, and then, the, like, the second half of the episode revolves around the book The Most Dangerous Game, the short story, which was a seminal uh, short story in my, uh, it just, uh, Again, me and my friends were probably too old for this, so we were probably in 7th or 8th grade. But we must have made 10 movies about the most dangerous game, uh, reenacting it. Uh, and I think, I don't, I don't know. And it makes me think about anybody that's working on a master's thesis or an anthropologist. makes me wonder about the cultural impacts of uh, English literature books for high school and middle school students on the society. And when we think about what I was saying before, diversity makes us stronger and more helps us flourish. Uh, Like when I think about that, that that was a book about white guys. Then you had Walter Mitty, another short story. These were all the short stories we were reading in middle school and high school to build a fire uh, they were all very impactful, but very uh, uh, white male oriented. And it's not a, I'm not trying to shame anybody here. I'm just saying it's got my curiosity up. Like, uh, I think, that, that, I don't know, I guess, be, I don't know if I have to read anything, but it's just curious about that. Like, uh, has there been studies done about how, like, it was like, okay, this region read this uh, Macmillan. English textbook. This other region read the McGraw Hill, and one was more not even in the diversity at this point because this would have been. I mean, but I think like moving forward and making our our world a, a more healthy place. It's just something to be curious about, I guess. There's, uh, uh, but but yeah. So the good, but the most dangerous game in Walter Mitty. Obviously, those books were a big impact on me or stories. Uh, so then at the end of that episode, Fred, Freddie Sprague returns to say, hey, we're, you know, we're all live here. And then the Coast Guard comes and then it becomes a little uh, sub, you know, sub uh, where they were. The Coast Guard was working with uh, 
a theme park to capture whales, and then Freddie Sprague's like uh, has a change of heart, and he becomes like a, a echo warrior, uh, goldfish, the the uh, prince of goldfish, and so he decides to rumble with the federal government, you know, the Coast Guard, which is a bad a bad idea probably. So that was that episode. That was that might have been forty minutes on a forty minute episode. No, but. Okay, and then the next episode is called Fact-Finding Mission. This was another amusing one. Uh, this was, and a little bit sad, like, uh, <clears throat> uh, this was James and Hans Zimmer Gorbelli in hell. And they met, like, they, they ended up coming across this uh, encampment, people working there, and they kind of said, like, that uh, they may have started to experience hope there because they, they changed the rules over time and now people were employed there. And since they were workers, they had slightly different rights. And and then now that these James and Hans lied and said they were on a mission from heaven, just a fact-finding mission, they're like, we're not here to do anything. But that gave these people even more hope. They said, and then it became... What does the existence of hope in hell say about hell? Like, you know, is that kind of the, the sweater starting to become undone? And also kind of tough. They were like, it's really hard being having hope here. You know, almost like is that another level of uh, uncomfortableness? And then them trying to process that it even makes it further uncomfortable for them. Uh, and the, yeah, the episode was 43 minutes return. also says return to hell with James and Hans Zimmer. I think at some point a guardian angel showed up. I don't know if that was here. It might have, I think it's, uh, I think maybe later. What is this one here? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I, you know, I listened to it and and uh, I let you down. I guess. Oh yeah, here. So here's the next episode, seventy-two. Uh, Truth or Dare poetry. That's from April twentieth, thirty-six minutes. And this is a fact-finding mission reveals lots of feelings and a discussion about stuff. Then there's some poetry. Then a long story. It all takes place in hell. I think boring stuff to put you to sleep. So, yeah, I think that continues on, and then the people are like, you know, well, what are you going to—are you filing a report in heaven? Because that would give us more hope, maybe, what's your report going to say. And, again, I'm not sure on the plotting, because I'm not sure if this is actually an illusion perpetrated by Gorbelli for James, or this gave Gorbelli an idea of how— because like, I think this might have been an alternative place that Gorbelli was running, but I'm not positive about that. Uh, you know, because I was in a fugue state, maybe. Uh, but that that's kind of all that took place there. And then we get into some more fun stuff, because uh, we get into episode 74. It's called Jerry Maguire and a Babushka. And it says, it's from April 24th, 36 minutes. R.W. and Jif are on the run in Seattle. Where are they running and why are good questions uh, that may or may not be answered. What I can promise is boredom. A man dressed as a woman and R.W. busting out movie quotes from 1996. Booyah. Uh, so at some point, I think maybe they were so bored that Jif recreated... Uh, uh, Jerry Maguire, or maybe they watched it. And then 
yeah, this was a this was a good episode because uh, or interesting because this was an episode that R.W. actually achieves what he had set out to do. Uh, over the course of this episode, it's revealed that Jif is ruined, and that R.W.'s kind of got what he wanted. He he, uh, like they get back to Seattle, and they're on the run because Jif. Uh, I think R.W. leaked stuff about him, and and there was other leaks. And the stuff with Freddie Sprague, a GIF got blamed for that. Someone took over his company and ousted his team. And there was all all sorts of bad stuff. And again, this was really uh, a good for GIF. GIF really comes out good in this one, too. And RW kind of does as a human being a little bit, too, because it has... Uh, there's a lot of comic overtones. It's ridiculous. Like, GIF puts on a wig... He pretends, I think, he's the Polish bride of R.W. They're talking a lot about Jerry Maguire. And, you know, R.W.'s using, you know, show me the money and, and different uh, booyah and other phrase, catchphrases from Jerry Maguire. Uh, but the, what's happening, the substance of it is that Jif is ruined. He's lost everything. His assets have been seized. He's uh, totally humiliated. He's dressed as a woman in a babushka. Uh, they're on the streets of Seattle, and R.W. set him up to be found. And R.W.'s kind of like, uh, he's still waiting for the joy to kick in of getting Jif. He's like, and so they have this moment where they're processing, and he's like, you're ruined. And then it sinks in for Jif uh, that he, he's like, okay. I've lost everything, publicly humiliated. And this is something that makes me curious about these people that achieve these uh, really high highs like this, and they probably have some low lows. And his reaction was, huh, okay, well, I guess I'll start over, which R.W. was not expecting. And he's like, no, 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 you're ruined. Everybody, no one likes you. You know, R.W. really... Uh, becomes the embodiment of a critic here or brain back because he says, you know, you have no hope. Uh, there's no reason for you to hope for anything. You're destroyed. I've destroyed you. You know, aren't you going to give up? And Jiff, in this mild-mannered way, says, you know, no, no, I don't think I would. Like, uh, well, okay, well, I, uh, what, what do I do next? Which, I, I mean... I I mean, this is fictional, but I would admire greatly that trait. Uh, to say, and he, he just says it in a way, an unoverthought way. He says, okay, well, I guess I'll start again with nothing. And he's a little sad because he's like, you know, I chose my career instead of a family. I guess which is fictional, like, I think. So he's like, yeah, I really do have nothing because I don't have a family. I don't have a best friend like you do, R.W., and so he's a little bit sad, but he's also like, well, I guess we'll, I guess I'll start over. And then they go to a hostel, which was, I don't know why they went to a hostel. I think to hide out from the press because the press is looking for Jeff because they know he's dressed in a babushka. And there's a little bit of demeaning stuff, I think, because R.W.'s trying to uh, pretend he's his wife and he's a little mean to him at a diner, I think. And and I guess this was like a hard part in the storytelling, I guess because it was a serious story, it was splitting up the main characters. I don't know if that's the best idea for these stories.
or not. But because uh, the same thing happened with Superdoll, and I was like, yeah, I don't know. And I guess maybe sometimes I split them up out of like uh, a worry. And this is a, a habit. Uh, like in the past when something was weak and I was writing it, like when I was writing for this web comedy or in, in the writing, like I felt like uh, I would notice myself kind of changing the linear structure instead of fixing the story problems to try to make it more interesting and saying, well, if I just have it like, you know, that'll add some instead of fixing the story or at one point we did change our stories entirely. Cause it was like, no, this, uh, we keep trying to do this stuff cause it's not working. And I don't know if this was that extreme, but it's like, why it's harder to keep them together, you know, but in this way, it's this sense it worked out uh, that we got to see Jeff, Jeff and RW alone. And then RW got what he wanted and it was unsatisfactory. And so then he had to choose, I guess, I think he chose to help Jeff uh, because Jeff's not that bad a guy. Uh, but then we run into this B plot with J- uh, J- James Cashpenny and Angela, which just uh, became a mess. Like, I thought it was going to be a love story. And so episode 75 is executive parking and, and being a man, and they kiss, and... Uh, I think they decided to get married. I think there's more stuff with the little devils in there. Or maybe at some point Angela reveals herself to kind of be evil. I can't remember what she wanted. I think to take over the world or something. I don't even remember. That's how weak it was on my part. And the characters, they just really let Angela down in this fact of uh, that she was a one-dimensional character. I mean, her actions were one-dimensional, uh, but she really did, it was not fleshed out. Uh, so that was, let's see, so that was executive parking, and it just it says that they kiss. Then episode 77 is Hellish Power Problems, which uh, this was fun. Like, uh, uh, R.W. meets this guy called Mr. Hell, Willie who uh, runs hell. He's not the devil. He was kind of like the manager down there. And he's a complete nincompoop. He's total uh, jackass. And he's kind of botched everything in hell. I don't know how he got in charge, but he's great. Great guy to have in charge. I mean, maybe in some sense, you know, uh, you know, you don't want a top manager in hell. You know, the more they mismanage stuff, the worse it could be. be like, oh, all the hell's out of toilet paper. Well, when's the next order coming? Well, I forgot. So probably like a thousand years. Uh, kind of like that. So it turns out there's this uh, guy running things in hell. And on top of that, he doesn't get to a point. Be ready to be bored to sleep. So he kind of is asking Richard Warren Sears and James Cashpenny for help. Because uh, the power's out. And I think Gorbelli's behind all this. Uh, then the next episode is a, a dowry and a singing bride. So then Angela and James are getting married. I can't remember why. There's a guy, Lukey. He gets picked on a lot. I like the name Lukey. And that someone named Lukey is kind of getting demeaning. He has to be a flower girl. 
I think he was like originally like Jif's assistant. And this is kind of funny. That it says that tonight we have one of those prelude to wedding episodes like every single sitcom does. The only difference is the fate of the world hangs in the balance. That and Lukey's a flower girl. Get ready to be totally bored. Uh, so that was called A Dowry, A Singing Bride. And A Singing Bride, that was it. And I don't know when anything else happened. She, she was big on saving the whales. And then I think that was as far as I got. And then I think I skipped to the end. I just hit play by accident. The next one's called Janet Jackson and a Husband in Purgatory. Maybe I listen to this. Miss Bessos and Mother Nature. Oh, yeah, she had captured Miss Mother Nature. Oh, to turn James into a real man because he's not human. And he had admitted that to her. Then R.W. comes back. This episode really drags. It says, good news is Lukey skins his knees. So you have that to look forward to. That was called Janet Jackson, A Husband in Purgatory, because she loves Janet Jackson, and I love Janet Jackson. Uh, then the next one's called that. Conf- That's the Confusing Way Love Goes. Tonight we finally have a wedding, almost. Lukey has his dresses. Angela has something borrowed blue, old and new. Uh, everything gets rescued, I think, by Freddie Sprague, Prince of Goldfish, uh, breaks up the wedding. And then the guys go to hell again in the next episode. It's called Fury's Jealousy in a Skiff. Now, this is like where we will just briefly touch on character. Uh, but this one's 48 minutes, May 15th. The boys are back in hell. They meet a guy, a guy named Plate Glass who likes to skiff around hell. And then they meet his ex-girlfriend and her sisters and some more stuff happens. But most of it meanders in a way that dulls you so you can fall asleep. Uh, so at this point, I think the guys had to get into hell for some reason or they were in hell. But this is definitely w- one of my favorite characters, like minor characters, is this guy, Plate Glass. So I think his real name is Flagalos. And he's not like Sharon. He's just there uh, to deal with this one section, I think, where the Sullen are, maybe. Uh, like this river, and I think he just skiffs over the river. I can't remember, and he was once married to one of the Furies or or something. I think that's a mythology. Again, don't, you know, don't call Bullfinch, because Bullfinch will be like, or, you know, anybody else related to mythology. And this guy had a bad Australian accent, but I love, like, why I fall in love with characters uh, sometimes. I guess one was he was kind of like goofy with his little accent, but it's just a small thing, but it made me curious. I'm like, okay, this guy's job is to, he has like his little skiff and he goes across the river. Uh, I'm not even exactly sure what he did, maybe, but but I was like, uh, wouldn't that be pleasurable? And then so they kind of, we pull on that string and he's like, yeah, like I kind of, hell's not so, I've made, I've gotten to hell to where it's not so bad because I got this skiff. So I play some skiff games here by myself, you know. And, you know, it's not not the worst. You know, people adjust and may, may, he's trying to make the best of it. And he was just funny because he called it me skiff. I'm just skiffing around here. Me skiff. I, I can't even do the accent right now. Me skiff. Oh, me skiff. And then he kind of talks about his ex-girlfriend and the Furies and how she's kind of jealous. And that was kind of funny, like thinking about the Furies. And they, James and them, and then they, of course, they ruin his skiff, I think which crushes him because that was the one thing he had in hell that was, you know, made it tolerable. 
So that, you know, I love doing that to characters. And he's like, oh, poor, poor Skiff. That sounds like more like an Irish guy. But, um, and then the guys have to deal with the Furies. And then, uh, what's that? Those, um, uh, Medusa. And then another, uh, uh, guardian that guards these doors. So they kind of pass these tests. And so that was kind of fun. Uh, and I just love Flagloss, Plate Glass. And then the next episode's called Who is the Boss? And they get, I think the last uh, test they have to pass is this fallen angel who loves who's the boss. And it's really boring. I think they just talk about who's the boss. And I, I realized when I was doing the episode that I couldn't recall any specific who's the boss episodes. I was like, I must have watched 80s comedies were really like how I developed my value system. And I'm not being joking, like, unfortunately, but that's really how it was at the time. And so I must have watched 10 million Who's the Boss episodes. And I didn't even think I, I didn't, I didn't particularly, I'm trying to think who I related. I did not particularly have, like, Tony, Angela, I mean, Mona probably was my favorite. And, you know, she was kind of a tropey character because Rose was the same character on Golden Girls. I don't know which came first. I like Golden Girls, too, and Growing Pains. And uh, so when I I went to, I was like, I'll be, I could just do 40 minutes of Who's the Boss. And then I was like, I know the archetype, you know, the sitcom, 80s sitcom archetype plot lines but I couldn't apply them, you know, like does Jonathan get busted shoplifting, you know, something like that. But then I'm like, okay, I don't remember that episode though, but it probably did it. That was probably an episode. Okay. Um, And then so, so, I mean, that was a tough one that I thought was going to be easy. And then the next one's called, this continues the thematic place we're going, a little slice of paradise in hell. Uh, and James and R.W. stumble on a spot in hell where giants uh, do different Olympic events for fun. Horsemen run races. Lots of other fun stuff, too. Sound exciting? Just enough to take your mind off your problems and put you to sleep. 36 minutes only. Wow. Uh, but this was f- amusing. They had found the place where a lot of these uh, hellish characters live. I don't know if they were punished there or they worked there. But, like, your titans... And your giants and your, uh, what are those guys called? The horse guys. I, for, I always forget what they're called. But the guys that are a horse body, human torso horse body, centaur type guys. And James, and then I think they met a, one of RW's old assistants there. And they had to get through there. And then I think they had to recruit everybody. And then the next episode is Into the Belly of the Cookie Puss. Tonight we listen to a, a riveting conversation between Angela Bessos and Mr. Hell. Topics can cover. I did not listen to this episode, include uh, Julia Butterfly Alvarez, which is wrong. I, I, I had to apologize to her because I was quoting somebody else. Uh, the novel's Wool, which I had just read by Hugh Howey. And John, John dies at the end. By David Wong, I think. And those are both like uh, people that it's kind of self published on the internet. 
and you know maybe those books became bestsellers and movies i don't think wool's out yet but uh, most of the time i do not even remember anything about that episode but cookie puss was the carvel ice cream whale and so I don't know what happened. The next episode's called Bright Dis- Bright's Disease Attacks, and that's what uh, R.W. really suffered from in real life. And there's not an intro, but I think it, they meet someone else and it ends up being R.W.'s son. I don't know if it's an illusion. And they're just trying to get from one place in the hell to another place. And then I think at some point they find out that uh, with all the nonsense going on, that heaven's going to nuke hell like some sort of super, you know, a spiritual nuke. So de-exist all of the current hell, because uh, it's kind of gone to hell in a handbasket. And so at some point there's like this clicking talk, clicking talk, t- ticking clock that starts, because then there's one called A Trail of Tears to a Secret Passage. Uh, James Cashman, he takes a long way around hell twice. That should be just enough for you to reach some level of boredom and bed meditation and fall asleep. Uh, so then James tries to rescue everybody from hell, which, of course, is a great idea. Uh, and I wouldn't do that, but... And then the next episode, 90... Oh, no, that's 90. Uh, 92, Atlantis thinks they're so great. Oh, I guess Angela and Mr. Hell must have been stuck in some sort of hell whale because it says... Uh, Trapped in the bed at belly of a hell whale, Mr. Hell gets honest. And what does honesty do to a story? He slows it down. So I don't know what that one's about at all, but he complains about Atlantis. I remember that much. Uh, then we meet a kind of crossover character, a character that kind of introdu- you know, stuck with me, Mesmaro and Gandar the Great. So Mesmaro would become another character called Mesmaro, who was actually functional. This character's more of a... Uh, nincompoop but James Gashpenny gets some guys that, that were sell, sent to hell for lo- using magic and illusion which I think is really true I mean in the old days uh, that, that you could get sent down there for that turns out hell for magicians sucks sucks enough to become a podcast bedtime story that bores you to sleep that was from June 8th uh, 38 minutes and so I think they use those guys and then they make sure they rescued everybody and they get everybody in this uh, area close to hell. I think they called it Hell Canyon. And then everyone in hell is kind of like, what are we going to do? You know, hell got nuked. I think they even checked. They're like, yeah, it definitely got nuked. No more hell. So then episode 95 is called Flaming Swords in the Buddy System. Again, no help in the show notes for me. And I didn't listen to it, but or maybe I did. James, at some point, I think the buddy system is like making sure everybody gets out of hell and then flaming swords is at some point the guardian angels show up. And then over the next three episodes, they kind of throw their weight around. Now it ends up that some sort of, as a theme is developed, like uh, that there is some sort of free will at play in the afterlife here, which is piques James's curiosity because he's very, you know, keen and he says, well, who, you know, who's in charge? And then they said, well, the boss is kind of out of the office right now, which adds the, the so everybody's kind of trying to make, even the people representing heaven, they're not on direct orders. They're, they're, you know, I don't know if it's like what do you call it, like a, 
a sabbatical or something. And he said, God doesn't take sabbaticals. He said, well, it's fiction, okay? But, if, I mean, if I was God, I would probably, didn't he seventh day? That was a sabbatical one day. But for God, it might have been an eon. So there, God did take a sabbatical, eat it. And so this is a sabbatical. Yeah, just our human, a lot of times the angels would say that to James too. They'd be like, well, your, your mind can't process that. So that was how I got out a lot of the, like, your human mind can't just can't understand that. So I think he was asking questions that people, he'd be like, what about this? Like, what about dogs? What are they good? And they said, well, you wouldn't have ghosts. They said, well, it's just a projection, you know, echoes. They think that was their answer. Echoes. That's what it is, echoes. I don't know what happened in that episode. I, maybe I listened to it and I forgot. But it leads into the last two episodes here, uh, which was 96, uh, James Cashpenny versus Gorebelly, a showdown in hell where the future of the future hangs in the balance. Will you be awake for the climax? Doubtful, as this story is from the podcast you sleep to. So this one came down to, like, Gorbelli is the villain. Angela was kind of, I can't remember what she was revealed as. I think think she was just trying to rescue, like, her lover, like, the man she really loved from hell, which, I mean, is understandable. But, again, I feel like I disappointed her. And Mr. Hell, I, I guess I let a few of these characters down a little bit, but it was the early days, you know, the show. Um, but so Gorbelli is, uh, I can't remember, I guess I, geez, I mean, this is embarrassing, but I don't know what he really wanted in the end. I think he wanted to, I think he was just desperately misguided to protect people from the trauma. Like he wanted to take over Hell to protect people. I think like kind of like a part of us, you know, that's misguided, trying to protect us, but doing it in a twisted way that ends up hurting us, I think was the metaphor that I was, that he was reflecting. And so he was still, he was making a deal with the angels to still take over, and he had used technology. He was like, this technology will make sure, you know, it'll do everything really efficiently. And he said he had everything set up and ready to go. Uh, but then James kind of is our hero. He was like, well, I don't know if this is right, you know, and if there's free will here in the afterlife, you know, don't we have to, to you know, I, I think we need to do what's right here. And they kind of, you know, argued back and forth and Gorbelli used, you know, tried to strong arm things. And there was a little back and forth. And then over this episode and the next one, James won out. And R.W. was at risk. And then he ended up using Freddy Sprague. Like, everybody teamed together. And they gave Gorbelli the opposite of his medicine. Instead of, like, uh, like James's thing was like, oh, well, what if you could see the implications of your lost opportunities? Like, the implications of the stuff you didn't do. Kind of like... Uh, like miracle, what is it? No, uh, and, and even in the episode when I was listening, I couldn't think of the name of the show. And you know, the guy running down the street, Jimmy Stewart, I'll think of it. Um, a miracle on 34th Street. No, that's not that, it's the other one. Every time a ring, bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Ah, uh, but it'll come to me. But so, James was like, What if we use these machines for that? And they're like, Oh, yeah. And the angels were like, You know, somebody's got a you know, they wanted to take out Gorbelli, and they were, and then James was like, well, you're not in, you don't have any authority here. So then there was a battle over authority, 
And then James was like, uh, still like, we need to do what's right. And then there was like the main plot, which was, okay, get Bessos, but it's really about RW and James. And the angels were like, well, James, you're going, you know, you qualified for heaven at some point. You know, no offense, RW, you did not. And James had suffered a cut. And they're like, we'll just come to come to heaven. We'll fix your cut. And RW's like, you know, you go because, you know, this is, you've shown what kind of friend you are. And I'll stay here in hell, you know, and, and figure it out. Or I'll go back to purgatory. And James is kind of like, no, like, let's figure this out together. Let's figure out hell together. I think we could make a new hell. And then Jeff was like, I'll help. And Freddie Spray, at some points, all the characters or most of the characters, James was like, okay, well, I think we could use your talents for this. And I think we could use your talents for this. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. So they decided that they would uh, Hell 2.0, startup, uh, a wonderful new Hell. Let me see what that is. Uh, what would happen if Jeff Jeff Bissos sold his company and started a hell-based company? Could the hell problem finally be solved? Or will boring stuff happens? Enough with question marks. Let the bedtime story begin. And so they decided as a group, and you'll hear more about it in their new season, which starts uh, week next week, uh, what happened from there. But they decided to get her to make it maybe a better hell that was more... I don't know, is, 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 uh, even the characters were like, is this a good idea? Is this a wholesome hell or a rejuvenating hell or a, a preventative, proactive hell that tries to get the best out of people when they're alive? Uh, so a little bit to chew on, but uh, yeah, so that was the first season of Get Essos, as, as I best I could tell. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Good night. I want to thank our patrons over there at Patreon slash Sleep With Me. I want to thank Brett, Cindy, Mark, Allie, HW, uh, FAL, Sherilyn, Tara, Tawana, Bonnie, Rita, Amanda, Ken, Kate, Charlie, Julie, Ted, uh, Melanie, Linda, Michelle, Kim, Nicole, Miriam, Allison, Sarah, Sandy, Marcy, Ray, Karen, Maria, Betty, Kat, Julie, Jenny, Angie, Leah, Cole, Katie, Lisa, Mike, Colleen, Grant, Jean, Sarah, Deborah, Amy, Carrie, Christy, Sarah, Nancy, good night, Andrea, good night, Heather, Michael, Betty, Brandon, Annie, Shibben, Adia, Joanne, Kimberly, Bennett, Jennifer, Amanda, David, Geraldine, Laura, Stacy, Joseph, Jennifer, Joan, Zen, Debbie, Karen, Jennifer, uh, two Jennifer D's right close together, Michael V, Mary Beth, uh, Judith, Dalton, Anna, Jen, Carolina, Jen, M, Michelle, Mary, Mike, Maureen, Sarah, Molly, Jasmine, Carrie, 
Catherine, Claudia, Summer, Jen, Joe, Danielle, and Vicky, and Madison. And then over on iTunes, sleepinbpodcast.com slash iTunes, Sleepin' BK, that's like Burger King, I guess. Sleepin' in Burger King says Z's five stars. Thank you. Margaret R to the M's been using it about five nights and they're confident they'll keep using it. They don't even know what the stories are like and they don't know why parental advisory label because they've always fallen asleep. That's perfect. Their brain goes at light speed, but hopefully I'll keep you distracted. Uh, Carl Fly. Oh, I like Shoe Fly, Shoe Fly, Carl Fly, Blue Fly. Scooters no Seuss fly. Fly, fly away, Scoots. Okay, but then I want to thank Carl Fly for the review, who says it's strange, hysterical, entertaining, and always puts to sleep. And then Love to Hike says uh, odd and helpful. Been using this for a couple months. Says the sleep timer to 30, but never get that far. Delivery steady. So they say they wouldn't mind some music in the background. Hopefully, we'll get to that in the deluxe episodes. Like a liquid mind. Thanks, boring guy. You're welcome. Uh, Spider B- Buffalo does not like the pie. I guess it's confusing review because Spider Buffalo says utter crap, but one star. But they say it's like a nonsensical Woody Allen rambling without the benefit of visual input. And then, but they say that makes it unsu- insufferable. So I don't know. There's no accounting for taste, you know. I don't. I don't. I don't fit all. I barely fit any peg. So, uh, Wilgernon. I don't know if you're related to Algernon from the UK. Says great show, eccentric rambling, fantastical stories, lulling tones. Send them a lot nod pretty quick. Thanks. Uh, bi- I, I am a busy bee. Says crazy but effective. Uh, been listening for a month is one of the worst podcasts on the playlist but this is a nice review five stars it really works can't explain it uh, silly boring and rambling no james earl jones mild go from interesting like dickens fair to the odd to, to the mundane each episode is different that's a key and here you go talk about nailing it they usually end with call out to specific first names reminding me of romper room exactly that's exactly where it came from but it's never failed to get them back to sleep. It's kind of similar to ASMR, but not creepy or breathing. And that's it. Thank you so much. Uh, Dana73 loves the podcast. Uh, typically takes two or three hours to fall asleep. Netflix, books, everything. But this podcast works. Thank you. Uh, Jared S. has helped a lot. It really helped me fall asleep. Thanks, Jared. Rick double O oh, triple O one. I think we thanked Rick over on Twitter. I want to thank Eli from Touch Arcade, Mary Beth, uh, Molly C, uh, Babs, of course, be like Babs, Madison, be like Madison too. Uh, Jillian spreading the word to sincerely cast. Thank you, Jillian. Thank you so much. And then we had Carrie. Uh, also spreading the word. Thank you, Carrie, so much. Glad to help you sleep. Uh, Kathleen W. cracking me up. Picture me drink. Uh, picture me reading Vogue Australia on the bus. Aurora Jellybean. Thank you, uh, Squirrel. Uh, thank you so much, Kimberly A. Thank you so much, uh, Mary W. Thank you so much. 
The Vintage Grub, thank you so much. Good night. Geeky Girl, thank you and good night. Uh, Dabby W, thank you and good night. And Graham W, thank you and good night. Uh, over on uh, Facebook, I want to thank Alexandra, Amy L., Emily L., Babs, Joshua P., nice to hear from you. Uh, Laura, thank you and good night. Uh, Lise, thank you and good night. Jamie, thank you and good night. Uh, Marcy, thank you and good night. Andreas, thank you and good night. Uh, Christina Bosubal, good night. Uh, Matthew B., thank you and good night. Katie MF, thank you and good night. James, thanks and good night. Betty, thanks and good night. Lori, thank you and good night. Summer, thank you and good night. Uh, Kyle, thank you and good night. Mary, in my tube TV sends the best. Thank you and good night. Stephen, thank you and good night. Joe, thank you and good night. Uh, Jamie C, thank you and good night. Fallon, thank you and good night. CJ, thank you and good night. Uh, Teresa, Mama Mia Out Loud podcast, thank you and good night. And I think that's it. Thank you and good night.